0: This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning River Church. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, if you've been with us, we've been walking through, uh, as you just saw, our, our summer series. So Joel gave a a great sermon last week on giving your summer away. And so we've kind of been walking through this time at the river. If you've noticed, we've all been wearing these kind of goofy summer shirts as well to preach in. So um, first things first, I want Ashley, raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand for me. Uh, As an introvert, I would hate this, but she loves this. So uh, (laughs) Ashley, seven years ago, Ashley uh, agreed to marry me. So I want to publicly acknowledge the amount of patience and love it takes to be married to me for seven years, and I love you. You are my favorite human in this room, so happy anniversary. Um, I came to a conclusion last week, uh, and I was telling Mike about this this morning. It's a little bit unsettling to me, and I'm saying this as a precursor warning for you guys, is that Joel, last week, did a great job relaying... The, the gospel to us through storytelling and humor and just captivated us. Michael does a great job doing that through through. I, t- I told him it's just knowledge. Like he can tell you the Greek word and what that Greek word meant and spin it as to why it applies to us. And he can tell you these quotes these scholars have written. And then I I, I try to relay it to you through through. I guess crying because I will. I say that as a precursor because um, the the most burly looking one of the three of us I will probably uh, cry a few times today. It's a very uh, what we're going to talk about today is very personal to me, um, but we were talking about these, this series, and, and Mike and Joel, I met to uh, to walk through it and, and look at different topics we we're going to talk about, and, uh, and I came to the topic of waiting, anticipation, and you might be thinking that really is a summer topic, but if you asked my five-year-old, he would disagree with you, because a couple months ago, I told him that the summer... we're going to go to the mountains. We're going to go to the mountains, and we're going to go hiking. And ever since I told him that two months ago, every weekend, we'd be like, hey, are we going to the mountains this weekend? Hey, are we going to the mountains? Is it time for our vacation? Are we going to the mountains? That's my own fault. I shouldn't have told him two months ago. (laughs) But in his anticipation, he is excited, and he cannot wait to go to the mountains. And I remember growing up, being in school, and in April and May, I was excited and I was anticipating summer coming and just couldn't get here fast enough. And then as I knew our summer vacation was coming, I would get excited and I couldn't wait. And then that would end and I could wait for school to come back, right? I was like, no, I don't want to go back to that. And all the teachers in here can say amen to that. But um, waiting is a part of our summer. It, it grew, grew up waiting was a part of, of our summer. And waiting is a part of our life, especially our Christian life. Does anybody like to Wait. And if you like to wait, you can. We're going to lay our hands on you. We're going to pray for you. I don't like to wait. I I do not like to wait. Aside from hunting, which I do like to do, I hate waiting. I mean, Ashley and I will go to a restaurant, and I will like pull up, and I'll even stop. I'll like kick her out of the car. I'm like, go see if there's a line, and I'll circle the building, and I'll come back and roll the window down. I'm like, what did they? I'll come back around. Man, I want to wait. If they they say twenty minute wait, I'm like, let's go to let's go Taco Bell. We're not going to wait Taco Bell. I don't like to wait. I do not like to wait. But more specifically, what we're going to talk about today is waiting on the Lord. And that might be a topic you've heard before. Um, I feel like a couple of times I've preached, I've talked about these these Bible topics, these Bible things we've talked about in the past, waiting on the Lord. Um, but waiting on the Lord is different. And you might have heard that a lot, but you don't really know what that means. I mean, it's pretty practical, right? We're waiting on God. Um, but waiting on the Lord specifically is something that, that occurred to me and I had to walk through in my own life in 2015 and 2016. Um, in 2015, 2014, I accepted a job. I was 27 years old to become a director with a company. And I was the youngest director of the company's history. And it was kind of the culmination of a lot of really good things that God was doing in my life and Ashley's life. Um, it was exciting. The job was very stressful, and there were really long hours. Um, I spent Elijah's first birthday, part of Elijah's first birthday, um, working. I spent Ashley's first mother's day working, uh, not my finest father, but in my mind, it was something that, you know, I need to do to, to to make this work and and things were going well. We were making money. We were saving. We were planning for a future. Everything was kind of coming together. And then one day they asked me to leave. Very out of the blue. Um, and I should say I, I resigned. I took a severance and left. It was very out of the blue. It was very unexpected. And I remember having one of the hardest calls I had to make was to call Ashley and tell her, hey, you know this, this happened. And she came. We, we met. And she buried her face in my chest. And she cried. And she said, this just isn't fair. And I said, this isn't fair. You're right. This isn't fair. And it wasn't. right. Life isn't fair. And, and, and maybe you're in this room and you've had that happen to you. Life's kind of blindsided you right when you thought things were going right. And it wasn't fair but I remember wrapping my arms around her and I said, hey, we're going to be okay. We're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And uh, That was on a, a Friday, November 10th. I'll never forget that date, November 10th, Friday. So me and my dad, we left and we went hunting because I had to get away and clear my head. So we went out and um, I spent a few days in the woods and then we came back and the cherry on the top, Ashley's smiling over there because she knows the cherry on the top is I walked back in for my hunting trip and on the counter is a positive pregnancy test. <laughs> and so our little girl Ellie was coming and she did not care if I had a job or not. She was going to come anyway. Um, so there I was a month before Christmas. I had just been fired from my job and I had a pregnant wife and a little boy and a mortgage and a lot of other things that we had to take care of. And I remember in that moment telling Ashley, it's funny because we saw the pregnancy. I just put my arm around and we just started laughing. I go, what do you do? It's like, what do you do in that situation? It was kind of like, oh my goodness and I told her I said, "Hey, it's going to be okay. I'm 20 28 years old. I have a master's degree. I have great experience. I'm going to get a job in 2 weeks and we're going to pocket all this money." Well, that's not what happened. Right? 2 weeks turned into a month, and a month turned into 3 months, and 3 months turned into 6 months, and 6 months turned into 10 months, and we were still waiting on the job. We were still waiting for something to happen, and it became 300 days of waiting. And 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 Maybe you can relate. Sometimes in life, God doesn't tell us. We, we, we ask God for stuff. and he, he doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. But His answer, in my opinion, is kind of the hardest one, and it's wait. Just, just wait. 300 days, I applied to 76 different jobs over 300 days. I got one interview. And I remember rocking Elijah at nighttime. My my son, he was two at the time. And I remember rocking him and I'd go lay him down and I'd go in his room. I just kind of lay on the ground and I just say, God, where are you? Where are you? Don't you see what's going on? Where are you? Why would you, why are you letting this happen? You know, at first it was like, you know, two weeks in we're like, oh, you're going to, you're going to take care of it. I trust you. I know you're there. And then like, a month in, and then like two months, mu- three months, mu- and I'm like, God, where, okay, okay, where are you? Like, I know you're still in charge, but I need to know that you're still in charge. And and God did a lot of things that were really cool for us. Um, one thing is my, da- my dad owns his own company, so he was able to give me a job. It didn't make like a third of what I had been making, but it was enough that we didn't lose our house. But more importantly, it gave me the opportunity to spend a lot of time in God's Word. I'd get into his office early And I'd be the only one there, and I'd be able to get my Bible open. It was actually this Bible, which used to be my mom's Bible, mom. Um, And I would be able to to journal and write. And God did a lot of really cool things that at the time was really frustrating to me. Because I I would be having one of these rough nights where I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I need to hear you. I need to know you're here. I need you to answer me. I need you to do something. And I'd be working through the Bible, and I'd come in the next day, and I would come to a verse like this. Psalm 18, 19, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. A spacious, spacious place. I haven't had a job for six months. I'm I'm staring at my bank account like a hawk every month. I'm like, Ashley, do you really need those? You really need that lunch today? Do you really need to eat today? Can we skip dinner? I mean, it was, I was, I mean, this is a spacious, this is a spacious place. But it was God, because I would be crying out, God, I need to hear from you, I need you to tell me something, and he would come to my, that verse, and it would just speak to my heart and it was it was both encouraging and frustrating and challenging because He was saying, "I hear you, and I have a plan for you, and right now i 'm telling you to wait and it was so hard, right or how about this one? Let me give you another one how about psalm forty two He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. A firm place to stand. And I would, I mean, it was, I would laugh almost. I'd be like, God, what are, that's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a job, not for you to tell me that, that you've set me on a a firm place. And at the time I had no idea what that meant. How is this a firm place? It's been 300 days and I don't have a job. I have a baby that's about to be here and I don't have a job or any way to pay for all the hospital bills that are coming, right? But he would, he would answer me and he'd say, Ryan, I need you to wait. You're, you are in a place where I want you. You are in a better place right now. You need to wait. And that was hard. That was really hard for me. And maybe you can relate to that feeling. Maybe you've been praying for something. And God's been telling you to wait. And you've been just, just pouring out to God, I need you to answer me. And maybe it's for a, a loved one who doesn't know Christ. And maybe it's for a job like me. Maybe you've been praying for a baby or for a family or for a spouse. And you've been praying and praying and praying and pouring yourself out. And God's just like, I just need to wait. I just need you to wait. And that's so hard. That's so hard. I know that. But I want to tell you the truth that I learned in that. I want to share this morning a truth, and that is that God works in the wait. God works in the wait. In that time, God was going to battle on my behalf. He was doing things. He was opening doors and going ahead of me. At the time, I, hadn't, I couldn't see it. I, I didn't understand why. I didn't know where I was. But now looking back, I know that God was going to battle on my, my behalf. He was opening up doors. He was doing things for me that I couldn't do for myself. And more importantly, he was working on me. He was working on me. The hardest truth I learned and the most comforting truth was that God wasn't as concerned with my bank account as he was with my heart. He wasn't as concerned with my comfort as he was with who I was as a man, right? And so, as we were talking about this, and I was looking back about over 2015 to 2016, um, I wanted to share that with you. It's a hard thing for me to talk about. In fact, this is uh, other than my men's discipleship group. We've talked about it. Praise band has talked about it because those are kind of my other community groups. But I haven't really, I definitely haven't talked about it up here, um, and I haven't told this story in public. It's just a hard thing for me to talk about. There's a lot of things that occurred in my life. And if you've walked through this, you can understand. There's just It's just a personal thing. But looking back, I wanted to, to, to give you some things that are encouraging, some things that I want you to, to take from you, take from me, because I know that if you are waiting, if God has made you wait, if you are praying for something and God is saying, I need you to wait, I need you to wait, that you need to hear this this morning. So I'm going to give you a couple main points and a couple little ones in between, and, and and we'll talk about it. I want to pray for you guys. But the first point is this, how we wait matters to God. How we wait matters to God. Do you know that how we wait says a lot about who we are? And more importantly, it says trust, right? It says a lot about who we trust. Um, maybe you've been around people who, when they have a bad day, you do not want to be around them, right? Because they are I had an old pastor tell me one time they have, there are, there are two types of people, VIP, very important people, and VDP, very depressing people. He didn't say this from a pulpit, he said it to me off the side, right? But he said there are people who, when they have a bad day, they're going to talk to you and they are going to bring you down. They are going to suck the life out of you where you're just like, oh my goodness, I can't be around them, I feel so bad about myself. All right? And how we wait on God matters because you're sending a message to people. Because you've probably been around people that are opposite, who have maybe people who have cancer or people who are just going through hard times and they're, and you talk to them. And it's not that they're fake. I'm not saying we should be fake. But it's that they say, my trust is in God. My circumstances aren't what I want to be. but My trust is in God. And so how we wait sends a message to a lot of people about who we trust and where we stand. Because one of the greatest testimonies you can give in life is how you wait. If I wait and I'm putting my trust in God and I'm saying, Hey, things are awful today. I feel awful today, but I know that my God is in control, and I know that I'm going to get past this. This is going to go away one day, and God is going to see me through. It says a lot about it, right? So how do we wait? How, how we wait matters on God. What are some ways that we wait on God, right? How about this? We wait on God with faith. We wait on God with faith. Psalm 25.5 says this, Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day. Waiting with faith is hard. I can tell you waiting with faith is hard. It's easy when it's short. When it's like you're waiting a week for test results, you're like, I just have faith in God. I'm just going to wait one week for this test results. But the longer you wait, the longer you wait, the longer it's hard. Waiting with faith is hard. But it sends a message about who we trust And one of the greatest things that God ever did in my life was to not give me the things I thought I needed, especially during that time. Because if it was up to me, I would have left that one company and like literally the following Monday started and gone off with something new, right? One of the greatest blessings God ever did in my life was to not give me the things I thought I needed, including, um, where I thought I was going to go to college, where I thought, who I thought I was going to marry, who I thought I was going to, um, would you jobs I was going to have, right? One of the greatest things God ever did was to not give me the things that I told him I needed. God, I really need you to do this. He's like, ah, I hear you, but no, you don't. You don't need me to do that. <laughs> right? We wait with faith and we wait with faith because of who God is. Y'all get that? We wait with faith because we know that God's in control. We know that God is, is loving, right? If we know who God is, then we should be able to wait because God doesn't change. If we know that God sent his son to die for us, who loves us, who tells us a lot in the New Testament that he has a plan for us, for a future, that he is in control of all things, and we should be able to wait with God with faith because of who God is. Charles Spurgeon, who's, uh, if you don't know who Charles Spurgeon was, he was a, a, kind of like the first mega pastor way back a long time ago. He uh, loved God, and he's one of my favorite pastors to get quotes from, and he said this, and this, this quote, I, had, I think I had it as my screensaver on my phone but it says this, God is too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. When we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. God is too wise to be mistaken. He's too good to be unkind. When we cannot trace his hand, when we can't figure out what he's doing, we can always trust his heart. We can always trust who God is. And so we wait with faith, with faith because of who God is. The second way we wait We wait with hope. Uh, I like this quote from Oswald Chambers. He said this, Remember whose you are and whom you serve. Provoke yourself by recollection, and your affection for God will increase tenfold. Your imagination will not be starved, but you will be quick and enthusiastic, and your hope will be inexpressibly bright. Remember whose you are. We have to wait with hope. This is so important because the Bible says we have a different hope, right? Right? It says we don't grieve as those, and First Thessalonians says this, we do not grieve as those who have no hope, but we have hope that's from Jesus. We have a different kind of hope. We have hope that's beyond our circumstances, that's beyond what we stand in. It's a hope that gives us the courage to walk into the unknown. It's a hope that gives us the, the courage to stare down the darkness and say, you have no power. God's in control. I know that God is in control of this. Um, I've been reading um, a book, I've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia books to my son. And there's the, the precursor is called The Magician's Nephew, if you've ever read these books. And The Magician's Nephew, um, it's basically how Narnia, if you all have seen the movies or read the books, Narnia is created. And in the books, there's a lion named Aslan. And the lion represents Jesus. C.S. Lewis was a Christian. The lion represents Jesus. And um, in the books, I was actually telling Christian and Trent about this this weekend, but in the books, the main character, the little boy, he he stumbles upon this world as Aslan's going around. He's creating everything. He's watching the lion make things out of literally out of dust. He's creating animals just like God did. He's watching all this happen. Well, the little boy has a sick mom back home. He's like, I just I have to ask the lion. I have to ask him. He needs to come help me. I need to ask him for help. And every time he sees the lion, the lion's a, a big lion, and he's he's so his presence is so intimidating and so terrifying that he can just stare at his paws. He can't look him in the face. He can't look at him in the face. And finally, he's just overwhelmed, and he says, I got, I got to ask Aslan to fix my mom. He's creating things out of dust. He can fix my mom. And the book says he goes up to Aslan, and he walks up, and he just starts weeping. He says, Aslan, you've, you've got to help my mom. She's going to die. You have to fix her. And he says, he, for the first time, he looks up, and he looks into the lion's face, and the lion is crying. And he said, in that moment, I knew that he, that Aslan, cared more about my mother than even I did. And that's, who, that's how Jesus is. We walk through these dark times of life, and we feel like he's distant and he's not here, but Jesus walks with us and he breaks with us. He calls us to life, and he doesn't want us brokenhearted. Hebrews 6.19 says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love that verse. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have a God that's in charge. Psalm 135 says this, 130 verse 5 says this, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. The last last we wait wait, um, is we wait with expectance. Micah 7.7 7 says this, But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, for my God will hear me. Psalm 5.3 says this, In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice, and in the morning I will order my prayer to you, and I will eagerly watch. We, we, we pray, we wait with expectance. We wait because we know who God is. We know the heart that's found in our Savior. We know that He walks through the dark times, and if you've come out of this, then it's easier for you to say, "Yeah, I know God walks Him with me." I've had to wait, and God has come through, and I see it. But if you're still in it, it's it's hard to be expectant, especially if it's a long time. It's hard to be expectant, but we wait with expectance. We wait with expectance. Things change how we wait. Um, things change with how we wait. It gives us hope. It gives us faith. It reminds us that God is working in our lives, that he's still in charge. Psalm 27, 14 says this, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. I heard a pastor say one time, he's talking about Jesus, and he said, We need to hold on to his coattails and not let go until he answers our prayers. We hold on and we don't let go until he answers our prayers. We wait with expectance, knowing that our God hears us and that our God answers you're never going to lift a prayer to God that He's going to say, "Ah, I'm not going to. I'm just going to leave you on read, red, leave you on red. I'm going to not call that back." You might call my, and I might do that. You might leave me a voicemail and be like, "Oh, I don't want to have that conversation. I'm just not going to call you back." <laughs> but that's not what God does. God never will do that. Every prayer we ever pray, pray, God is going to answer. My PS might be no, and it might be wait, but there's a point to it. There's a reason. The second point for today I have for you today, the second main point today, is this. God works in the wait. And there's hope in that. God works in the wait. There's a lot about that story that I didn't tell you. Um, For one, it would take too long. For two, you guys already make fun of me for how much I cry, and if I told you all the details, I would surely cry, and then it'd be just, Mike and Joel would give me a hard time, so I'm not going to do that. But there's a lot that, that falls there's a lot that falls in the margins that, that are that's missed. Um there were things that happened in my life during this that that if you've gone through something like this, you can you can relate. Things that no one ever saw. Things that happened in my heart and in my mind. Things that maybe only my wife saw. Doubts and fears. Um, for example, I got I was plagued with nightmares. And not like nightmares like the boogeyman was going to jump out. Like every night I would go to sleep and I would have these dreams where I would walk into my place of employment and everyone would look at me and no one would say a word, but everyone would look at me. And I was just filled with shame and embarrassment. And it was just awful. And it would happen, I mean, I wouldn't want to go to sleep at night. I would lay there awake saying, God, I I can't do this again tonight. I can't wake up. And it would set me back. Like I'd have a couple good weeks where I'm, I'm feeling better. Things, and then I would have this dream, and it would just take me back, and it would just throw me off. It, it wrecked my self confidence. I, I told you all last time I preached about how I called Mike one day, and he was asking me how I was doing, and I said I'm just a failure. my am a bad father. I'm a bad husband. And he said, you know, I think I told you. All, he said, whether you have a job or not has nothing to do with how good of a father you are, or how good of a husband you are. Which was speaking life into me. But it just wrecked who I was and did things in ways that I would have never thought it would have. I was a pretty confident guy. I'm still a pretty confident guy. But it just killed me. Absolutely killed me. There's a lot that that happened. And I want to tell you that if you are going through this, look at me. God is with you. You are not alone. God doesn't walk. God doesn't send us on these things by ourselves. God walks with us. And more than just that, God is working with us. There are things that God is doing in our lives that we need that we don't know. When you walk through these times, these hard times of life, where you are waiting for God's answer, you are not alone. God is working in the way. He's not distant. He's not abandoning you. He's doing things for you right now that you can't do. He's doing three things. He's healing you. He's growing you and he's restoring you. And so, point one of this in the wait, God heals. God heals you in the wait. Um, when God chose David to be the next king of Israel, he sent Samuel, who's a prophet, to anoint him. And I love this part of the scripture. David's my favorite guy in the Bible, but I love this part of scripture. He says this to Sam. God says this to Samuel. He says, "Do not look, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him." The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right? God cares more about your heart than he does your bank account. God cares more about your heart than he does your comfort. That's that might not be a popular opinion today in our society, but God cares more about where you are, who you are as a person, are, who you are as his child than he does if you have a job or not, than he does if, if, if you're waiting for a spouse. He cares more about who you are right now. And I don't mean to make that sound like God's harsh at all. That is a loving thing about the God we serve, that he cares more about who you are than the temporary things. Um, There's a lot going on in my life when this happened to me, and I was broken like no other time in my life. But God did a lot for me to, res- to, to heal me, to, to heal who I thought of myself as, right? to heal the brokenness, because I needed that break. I would not have been able to walk in to another job and be a old person that all if God hadn't healed me. I guess it just took 300 days for him to heal me. <laughs> I was really broken, I guess, but... Um, <laughs> Psalm 34.8 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You are not alone. God sees your hurt. God walks with you in the darkness. And God is working on healing and restoring and fixing you. The second way that that God moves in the weight, in the weight God grows. He grows us. Charles Stanley says this about Christian growth. Adversity is not simply a tool. It is God's most effective tool for the advancement of our spiritual lives. The circumstances and events that we see as setbacks are oftentimes the very things that launch us into periods of intense spiritual growth. Once we begin to understand this and accept it as a spiritual fact of life, adversity becomes easier to bear. Do you hear that? I'll water it down. He's saying adversity it's not the way the world sees adversity. Adversity is a time that God's going to take it and mold you into who you need to be. Not just to prepare you for this, but to pre- prepare you for the future. Things that are coming that he knows are coming that you don't. Hard times that are coming that he says, if I can shape you right now, if I can anchor your faith in me right now, then when you face this down the road, you're going to be ready. You're going to be ready. Jim Elliott said this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. God is using circumstances to change you, and that's a good thing. Take it from me, that is a good thing. He's only going to use it to grow you. He's growing those around you. One of my biggest prayers through this time, and I told Mike this, was that my hope is that one day, somehow, my little two-year-old, my little one-year-old at the time, would be able to look back and say, I remember Dad walking through a hard time, and I remember that God took care of us. And my hope is that not only with him, but men in my men's discipleship group, even when Elijah, when he gets older, that I can say, hey, I walked through a time where I lost my job. I walked through a time where I was waiting on God, and guess what? God heard and answered, and God restored above and beyond where I was. God did more, more for me Legit, God did more for me than I asked him to do. At that time, I was like, God, if you'll just give me a job that pays this much, I mean, I'll I'll drive an hour. I just need a job that does that. And I was applying everywhere. And God waited, and he restored me beyond where I was. If you will wait on God, God hears your prayer, he will answer. My hope is that for my kids, if Elijah ever loses his job— if Ellie is ever looking for a job and can't find one, I can say, hey, let me tell you, let me remind you of what God did in, in our lives, our family's lives when you were little. And how a faith placed in Jesus is never a faith that's not placed in the right thing. Sometimes God is growing not only you, but he's growing the people in your influences, in your circle of influence. One of my favorite Bible verses in the Bible comes out of Job, And if you haven't read Job, I love the book of Job. Um, Real quick watered-down version of it. Job's a very godly man. Satan comes to God and says, well, he he only trusts you and serves you because he has everything he needs. So God allows Satan to take things away from Job and to tempt Job. And so Job loses everything. Awful family, wealth, health, I mean everything. And so the book is just him going through this thing. He's having these, he's crying out to God. Probably like, it's, I think I like Job because it's so relatable to us. We go through hard times. And we're like, God, where, why are you doing this? What is going on? We, we cry out. And one of my favorite parts of the book is toward the end where God finally goes, Okay, I'm going to answer you. I think, I think the way it starts is he says, um, Prepare, stand like a man because I'm going to speak to you like a man. Which, if God said that to me, I'd be like, Oh, no, that's cool. I don't. <laughs> I don't need you to talk to me, that's okay. Just that intro, oh my goodness. But he he, he has this conversation with Job and they kind of go back and forth and God, in a very hard but loving way, tells Job, hey, I'm in control of everything. I've created everything. Nothing happens without me understanding. And in Psalm 42.5, I love this verse. Here's what Job says. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My prayer for you, if you are going through a hard time, is that you come out and you said, I'd heard of God. I knew God. I'd heard Mike and Joel and and Ryan talk about God, but I never saw him. But now that I've come out of this hard thing, I can say that I have seen Christ. And that's what he promises, that he's going to show himself in a new way to you. I could tell you all the margins, right? I could tell you the way I saw Jesus. And I grew up, remember, I got saved when I was seven years old but I saw Jesus completely different during this time of my life. It was a side that you only see if you go through a hard time. It's only a side you see when you walk through darkness. And I realized that Jesus was way more loving and way more gentle than I thought he was. Right? That he cared about me more deeply than I thought he did. And He cared about my heart more than he cared about my circumstances. Right? God will reveal himself to you during dark times. You will grow deeper, and if you search for him, he will take you there. And the last thing I want to tell you today, in the wait, God restores. In the same story of Job, he goes through some hard things. In the end, God restores him twice. The Bible says twice what he'd had, and I wish I could tell you that, hey, if you go through this this hard time, God's going to bless you twice over I can promise you that God will bless you and that you will be restored. I can't promise you what the measure of that will be. I'm not one of those pastors, right? Just trust God. He's going to give you so much money. I'm not going to say that. But I will say that God will restore you. He restored me. right? He sto- restored my faith in my relationship with him. He restored my faith in myself. He reminded me of who I am and what my purpose in life is. He did more for me than, than, than just restore. Like He gave me a job. And the job's great, and I love my job, but that's like, like legit, that's like the smallest thing he did for me out of this, right? He changed me. He changed my heart. He made me a better husband. He made me a better father. He made me a better friend. And he gave me a story to tell, a story to tell about how good he is to encourage. And as, as we were singing today, I was standing over there and I was just, you know, you as pastors, you prepare. And I'll stand over there during worship, and I just felt God just... Pushing on me, I want you to remember the weight and responsibility of what you're about to do. You're about to go tell people about me. And it sat on my heart while we were singing. But these are the words of God. Right? He gave me a story to tell because God has moved in my life and changed me. And it's encouraging to you. It's encouraging that you are not alone, that you walk through darkness with Christ, and that Christ is leading you to something better, leading you to something more. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Chuck Swindoll says like this, We are all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. Great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. God wants to take your time in the wait and change you and make things better. Not just for now, not just for you, but for your future and for those around you. Isaiah 30, 18 says this, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. In my life, God restored me. He restored my faith. He restored my confidence. And you put me back in a place where I'm not having to stare at our bank account and worry about getting lunch that day. God has taken care of me in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, during that time, He took care of me. And now that I look back, I can see it. We wait for a lot of things in life. Am I talking and you're waiting on God? Am I talking today and your heart is just burning because you're like, "I've, I've been praying for something and I just don't know what to do. When I was driving in this morning, I prayed that that there would be at least one person who was stirred by this. That someone could relate to, I've been praying for something from God, and I have not seen the answer yet. Then let me tell you, God is with you. You are not alone. God is moving, and God is working in ways you don't know, I promise. I've seen it. And he's the same God for me that he is for you. And if we put our trust and our faith and our hope in Christ, he will not disappoint ever, ever. You just have to believe because if we believe that God's in control, then it makes the weight easier to handle, right? If we know who God is, then we have trust in what he's doing. A couple of years ago, Mike gave me one of my favorite Bibles. Um, I quoted Charles Spurgeon earlier. He's one of my my favorite pastors, but it's a a Charles Spurgeon Bible. And so it's really cool because it has, you read the passage and and literally in the bottom, they've transcribed his personal journal with his notes on what you read. Really cool. This past week, I was reading through the book of Habakkuk, which probably most of us haven't read through the book of Habakkuk. I had never read through it. Um, It's very short. It's an Old Testament prophet, but it's really cool because the Old Testament prophet is God comes to him and says, I need you to tell Israel that I'm going to punish them In the back, it kind of has this argument with God where he's like, "Whoa, hang on a second. Why would you do that? I don't understand. And basically he's crying out saying, I don't understand what you're doing. This doesn't make sense. This isn't fair. And he kind of tells him, why wouldn't you do this or this or this? And God leads him back and and says, hey, Israel's going to suffer for a little while, but it's only so that they are restored. So they remember who I am. So they come back to me. And I want to leave you with a quote from his notes on that passage. It says this, Why does the Lord show us iniquity and injustice? It is to deliver us from it. For if he has broken our heart, he has broken it to give us a new one. If he has killed us by the law, he has killed us to make us alive in the gospel. If he has wounded us in our conscience, he has done it so that he may have room to pour in the oil and relief of Christ Jesus. If he has stripped us, he has only pulled off our rags so that he may put on a perfect robe of spotless righteousness. For when the Lord pulls a person down, he does it in order that he may build him up again. When he breaks a person's heart, it is only so that he may make it anew. Let me pray for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I I know you're here. I can feel you, God. I felt you from the moment we walked in this morning, God. I know you're moving in our midst. And I know that there are people here who are waiting on you, God, who are waiting for you to move in their lives, who are needing something from you. And God, I pray that today, that right now, God, that you would move on their hearts, that you would remind them of who you are. That, God, you would remind them that you are with them, that you are loving and that you hurt more than they hurt that you long for for them more than they long for you, and that, God, you have a plan and a hope and a future for them in in their darkness. And so, God, I pray that you would move on their hearts, God, that you would remind us whom we serve and whose we are, God. Father, I pray that in a special way this week, God, you would show these that are looking for you, that are searching, that are praying, that you hear them. That in a special way, God, you would remind them that you are with them. God, I pray that as we wait, we do it with faith and expectance, God, that we turn our eyes to you and we say, because of who you are, I trust in you. Because you never change and you love me and you have a hope and a future, I can wait and I can trust. God, I pray that you be on our hearts and you change us, God, that you help us to see this waiting as a time to grow with you. And I pray that you restore us and you heal our broken hearts, Father, and you make us the people that you have called us to be. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen.